fam, welcome back to the Well That's Good podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. But per usual, it's about to get better because we have an incredible guest on the podcast today. My team was super excited about this one because we listened to her music on repeat in the LO office. We have Anna Golden on the podcast and she has a new album out called Church and whoo, it is ministering to me. I know it is ministering to so many of you and if you haven't heard it, you gotta go check it out. But Anna, we are so excited that you're on the Well That's Good podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so, I've been looking forward to this since my team told me about it. I'm so, so excited. This is a conversation and you, you're the best. So this is going to be better. My Wednesday definitely did just get better. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, uh, your team had reached out at one point and said, you know, if Sadie ever wants to do something with Anna, let us know. And I'm like, well, what does she want to do? We can do it all. Tell her to come on the podcast, come to the conference, do all the things. We just love you and big fans and also um, love following you on Instagram. You're so much fun and so cute and beautiful. And then you write this like incredibly deep, album that is like getting me all in my feels so you're a well-rounded person and I'm so excited to get to know you more today oh my gosh I'm amps let's jump in all the things whenever anybody's like I follow you on Instagram I'm like so you definitely know about my cat you know about how weird I can be on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's always gonna be fun I, love it. Oh, I wish he was here with us today but we're out of town I love it I love it well one thing that I love is like I think that sometimes like in the church world, you can just have this like tendency, especially when you're young to feel like you need to be so serious, you know, Um, because I think that sometimes you equate being serious with maturity. But one time I was trying to be like so serious and I was trying to like be, you know, super mature, if you will, or come across that way so that the older people in the room would, you know, feel like. I'm, I'm mature, I guess, and totally. I can handle this. And I remember Louis Giglio told me one day, he was like, Sadie, you don't need to act older than you are. Like the beauty about you is that you are where you're at and the authenticity of your age and just the the fun that you bring and the purity that you bring and the joy, like bring that as a gift, you know? And it actually meant so much to me because I was like, wow, like I don't need to get rid of that side of me. That doesn't make me immature that I'm fun or goofy or like to have a good time. Like God put that in us too. And isn't it beautiful that we can come before the Lord dancing and joyful and laughing and all these things that we can also come before him in, um, in in our hard moments and our the serious times. And I just love that. And you do such a great job at, you have your little disco ball in your room. You have your little cat. You're hilarious. <laughs> You're hilarious. And you dropped this album. So I want to talk about all the things, but before I get ahead of myself, I have to ask you the question of the Will That's Good podcast, which is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And I know we drop it like it's hot right from the beginning. It's a hard, it's a hard one to start with sometimes. Totally. I was like, man, that's a that's a heavy hitter right out of the gate. We love we love it though. Um, you know, honestly, I feel like for different seasons and situations that this has changed. But thinking about it, I honestly, when I was twenty years old, I was actually engaged, which a lot of people don't know about me, but some people do if you've been following me for a long time. Um, and obviously, I knew it wasn't the right thing, and I kept having this moment of like oh, like, is this the right thing? And I was asking every mentor in my life, every person I had accountability. And I had one of my mentors sit me down and she was like, the Lord knows how to speak to you. 
because I kept looking for a dream or a vision or an angel of the Lord. And she was like, your whole life you've been walking with Jesus and the Lord does know how to speak to you. So learn how to trust that you know he knows how to communicate to you. He's not going to hide it under a rock. And I was like, that was just such confirmation in me. And honestly, beginning this journey of really trusting Holy Spirit and knowing that when he speaks to me, that I can trust that he's speaking directly to me in a way that I understand. And I think that that's something that's so beautiful about the yeah. character of the Lord is he's so personable. I mean, you see like stories through the Bible, of the Lord spoke in so many different ways to so many different people because he knows how to speak to you and give you that information. So that was literally saved so much of my life, so much turmoil being like, you know what? Lord does know how to speak to me. And I do know the answer to this. And that's why I keep asking everybody if this is right or not. Um, so that was something that I like cherish all the time. I'm like, whenever I'm in this crossroads, I'm like, Lord, I know you know how to speak to me. Would you like illuminate this in my heart um, in the way that you communicate with me? So that was something that was huge, huge for me. That is so, so good. Wow. I, I love that. I did not know you were engaged. Thanks for sharing that. And um, I think that that's so powerful because I think sometimes like, we all do that. Like we want a sign. We want it to be so obvious. So you want it to be written in the sky or a dream. And those are, those things are awesome when it happens. And it's not that God can't do that, but it is true that like his voice really is enough. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can trust that he is speaking. And I think that sometimes we even get lost in the signs and we trust the signs more than we actually trust his voice. And I've experienced that in my life where I'm getting all these signs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, it seems like, oh, because this happened or because that happened, then it must be the Lord. But there's something in you that says, this is not right, you know, but you're almost like trusting the way that it looks or you're trusting yeah. like the signs or whatever more than you're trusting the Holy Spirit in your life. So I think it goes both ways. Like sometimes you're not getting signs at all, but like you feel the peace of the Lord in it. And sometimes you're getting all these like signs, but you don't feel the peace in it. And so I think at the end of the day, whether you get a sign or you don't get a sign, like you can trust the direction of the Holy yeah, Spirit in your life. And I've had to learn that too. And I'm someone that, I like, I'm always like asking the opinion of mentors and friends and family. Um, But I've also had to learn. Same, same. Yes. Which I think is so good. And there's wisdom (laughs) in that. And it's great to bring in mentors and friends and gain that uh, perspective. But sometimes I do that because I don't want to have to like make the decision for myself. And I'm worried to like (laughs) say what I really know is right because I'd rather someone else tell me. But sometimes it really is one of those things where God's walking something with you like in your life and only you Mm -hmm. can answer to that, you know, only you can be obedient to that. I, I love that that you shared that. Um, one thing I just want to bring up is you talked about how not maybe not everybody knows that you were engaged. And I feel like there's some things in our life that happen where it just feels like everybody knew about this. This is so hard to move past, you know, maybe it was on social media or whatever for you. Um, how was it like getting through that stage of your life and where you're at now? Like, is it shocking for you to even say some of you don't know that? Because there was there a point in your life where you felt like everybody knows this and how am I going to get past it? That's such an amazing question. And I think why that's so amazing is because I remember the struggle and the wrestle of me deciding to call that off in my life had to do so much with optics and had to do so much with like, 
oh, everybody knows. And this is going to be so like embarrassing. And it's like, that should never be a reason why you would enter into an engagement or the rest of your life. Um, but at that moment and that isolated time years ago, it was like, this could be the end of the world and everybody's going to know and everybody's going to be talking about it. And I look back like seven years later now and I'm like, man, thank you, Lord, that I'm not in that. And it was like God's best for both of us that we're not. Um, and it really is years and time that it takes. And you look back and you're like, that was a way smaller situation than I gave it credit for in the moment. Yeah. Um, but just so beautiful. And it's like, I, I was saying this to someone else the other day. I was like, man, I wish I had the knowledge that I have now at 27. And I'm sure I'm going to say that when I'm 40. But I wish I had the knowledge that I had 27 when I was 20. And I was navigating mm-hmm. like cutting off relationships or dealing with drama with friendships. Like I look back at things. I'm like, why didn't I forgive that person? Why didn't I like all, all these different things. So I look now mm-hmm. with the knowledge that I have of like the wisdom being like, Hey, that's going to feel like a sting in the moment. And Instagram's not the end of the world. And your however many followers is not the end of the world. It's like your life is your life. And maybe moving forward, you don't need to be as public about every single thing. <laughs> so there's a lot of lesson in it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely super beautiful to be able to look back and see like, oh, maybe situations that I think that everybody's talking about that everybody's going to care about is not actually as big as I'm giving it credit for. Spring is a great time to start something new, right? So whether it's cleaning or a new hobby or a new audiobook, a good story is always a great way to start a new journey and Audible has all that you need. I come from a family of great storytellers, so I know Audible is the home of storytelling, which is where I want to be. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment together in one app. There's always something new to discover or you can rediscover some of your old favorites. Audible has an incredible selection of audiobooks from every genre like bestseller, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, and thrillers, business, and more. It is the destination for mind-blowing entertainment with selections of mystery and thrillers that will keep your heart racing. And with next listen recommendations, there's always something irresistible at your fingertips. Plus, members get full access to a huge and growing selection of included audiobooks and audible originals and even podcasts like, well, that's good. So you can download them or stream them anytime, anywhere. Audible members can also pick one title each month to keep from the entire catalog, which is some serious benefits, y'all. The newly included selection of titles makes your Audible membership even more valuable and gives you the chance to discover your next favorite thing. With thousands of titles available, you're definitely going to find something that you love all in one convenient app. So I know some of you are into, you know, thrillers, crime, mystery. And I got to be honest, that's not really been my thing. So I told Bella, okay, Bella, tell me what I could like listen to that wouldn't scare me, but I would like be into it. And she told me about this title called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And so I started it and John Luke loved it too. And so I'm just now on the cusp of it. And y'all, let me tell you, it is very entertaining. You do want to listen to see what happened next. So if y'all are into that, Audible is a great place to find those too. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Woe or just text Woe to 500 500. That's audible, A U D I B L E dot com slash Woe or text Woe to 500 500 to try Audible for free for 30 days.
Y'all, I love summertime. It is my favorite season and I'm so excited to jump back in. We are approaching the best time of the year. But no matter what your summer looks like, KiwiCo invites kids and kids at heart to enjoy their first summer adventure series. Kids can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks, no matter what their age is, with enriching activities that accompany each project. KiwiCo has something for everyone with different topics for each age from space to dinosaurs and so much more. I am so excited about the summer series. We actually are getting this little driver that I know Haven is going to love because it's a little steering wheel and she loves anything active and also a little like neighborhood fun one where they have a water paint thing, which is so good because it's not going to make a mess and Honey is so into painting right now. And painting with a three-year-old, yeah, that's just hard. So I'm excited for the no mess. KiwiCo offers kids a chance to get outside and explore screen-free with projects like the Bottle Rocket Kit from the Summer Adventure Series. They can turn the outdoors into a playground of learning and fun. Every Summer Adventure Series with KiwiCo is a personalized experience that includes real engineering, science, and art projects. And you'll be impressed with how high quality all the materials are. Everything we've gotten from KiwiCo has been absolutely amazing and such high quality. I know sometimes it can be hard to find creative, engaging ways to keep your kids away from the screens and just having fun, but KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can focus on spending fun and quality time tackling projects together. The KiwiCo Summer Adventure Series is personalized to your family and can be received all at once or or weekly for six weeks, depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great, or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico, K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash Summer. That's so good. Gosh, that is such good advice. I feel the same way. I can look back and be like, wow, I wish I knew what I know now then. But at the same time, so much of that makes you who you are, right? Yeah. And like so many of those things that I didn't do well or I made mistakes in or I kind of failed in are the times that I really found the Lord's healing and like found the Lord's freedom and just started a relationship with God. I mean, I was just telling you before, we uh, got on that that song from Rita Springer, Defender, was like my song. Like I would sing that over and over and over again. But I think about that song in a time where I made a mistake, you yeah. know, like where it wasn't a good time in my life. But I'm like, but what came out of that in my trust in God, what came out of that yeah. in my friendship with Him is worth it. And so you have to give yourself grace for the journey to that. You're, you're on the journey of life. Like you're not going to know what you're going to know at 30, at 20. And there's the reason for that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you grow and then you become better by 30. And I love what you said. You're like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to be as public. And I think sometimes, you know, my mom always says people say that people don't change, but sometimes we just don't allow them to change. And mm -hmm. sometimes like people do change, like you do make better decisions. You're like, actually, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm <laughs> totally. going to do things a little differently because I learned from that. Like it's okay to learn and grow. So I love that. Um, I want to talk about your life and all the things. But while we're on this topic, um, one of the songs, Manasseh, is just like so powerful in your album, Church, and especially your testimony right before. And I think it's kind of applicable to what we're talking about now because it's really just this grand idea that you really can move on from something that hurt you or move on from something yeah. that was hard. And it actually can even be forgotten, which I think, you know, I heard it last night. I'm sitting here and I'm like, that's crazy because 
the things that I thought I would never forget, the, the hurts that would replay in my mind every single day. And I thought, am I ever not going to think about this person today? Am yeah. I ever not going to think about the pain that it caused? Am I ever not going to have this like sinking feeling whenever their name pops up? Like I have forgotten, like truly the Lord has brought me out of it and I have forgotten. But if you would have told me that in the time where it was on a loop in my head, I would have been like, there's no, no way. way. Mm-hmm. And so from two people who have experienced that, like, can you speak into just the power of that song and what your dad spoke over you? Because I just think it's so powerful. Yeah, I basically, a little backstory on me is I grew up in church and I've been actually working in full-time ministry for over 10 years. And it's been my absolute favorite thing. Like I was the kind of kid that just lived in church. Like I really loved it. I was probably so churchy as a kid to the point of where it was maybe annoying, (laughs) but I just loved it. Like I wanted to be a youth group. I was in every internship. I was also homeschooled. I didn't have a lot else going on. So I was like, church, that's my life. Um, And I feel really fortunate because I really did get to know the heart of the Lord really young. And through being like, serving in ministry growing up and then making the shift of also working in ministry. It's like you see behind the curtain of things and you see that like people are people no matter what building they're in, no matter what title they're in, no matter if there's a pastor in front of their name or not. Um, And obviously when I'm younger, I didn't really have the wherewithal or the discernment to know that. So it was crushing. I remember my first year working in ministry and being like, people do what? And it was just devastating to me. And I think that. over the accumulation of years, like I just started to wear some of it. And I became that like person who maybe was a little disgruntled in ministry and a little more brokenhearted than anything. I talk about this on my record. The difference between brokenheartedness and bitterness is sometimes we can label like a hurt heart as a bitter heart, but they're two very different things. And I think that through this like certain disappointment, um, I just kind of wore that on my chest a little bit. And in the fall of 2020, I transitioned off of working at a church staff. And I just kind of, there was this moment um, where I really looked at my hands and I felt like the Lord gave me this vision of like looking at my hands full of broken glass. And he was like, are you going to let me pick that out of your hands or you want to keep holding on to it? Um, And there was part of me that felt like if I let it go, that there wouldn't be justice for it, that there wouldn't be like, justice wouldn't be served. I need to keep this in front of you, Lord. And he's like, no, I I want to actually take that from you. Like, let's actually look through your past and look at it a little differently in in the lens of someone who's healed. Um, I went into counseling for actually a a Mm -hmm. long time, which was super grateful for. I'm a big advocate of all of that. I was actually in Colorado for a little bit, like day in and day out, just being like, all right. I, I knew I always wanted to be in ministry, but I knew that my perspective of it wasn't healthy at the time. And I, and I knew whatever I didn't heal, I was going to replicate. So I was like, Lord, I need you to help me. I want to see the church. The entire Bible is this beautiful imagery of how much the Lord loves us. And he calls us his bride, which is the church. And I'm like, why mm-hmm. do you still see it like that? Like, why do you talk about the church like this in Revelation and in Acts? Why did you fight for the church even when they were doing these crazy things? Like we, we see these scriptures and I'm like, Lord, would you show me? And it really started with this song called The Church I Grew Up In. And then we, the Lord gave me the vision for this record. And through this time, I transitioned to Dallas, Texas. and I started working at a church called Shoreline City, which Earl and Anika McClellan, I'll probably mention them a million times during this interview. They're my pastors, like my favorite people in the whole world. Um, And I really got to be under pastors with a healthy perspective. And we're not a perfect ministry, but we're just people who love Jesus, who fight for forgiveness, who apologize quick, 
who literally just want to outserve one another. And I remember coming in <laughs> and being on staff and they gave, they gave me such freedom and the sense of, I remember walking in, I was like, our church is really white too. Like our whole church is like a white building with white paint everywhere. And I was like, I feel like I'm like coming in and I have like mud all over me. Like I've come from these like different experiences. And they're like, mm. no, you might've come through fire, but you don't smell like smoke. And they really prophesied over me. Just like, wow. you are such a healthy leader. You're a daughter of the house. Like we've grafted you in. Like there's nothing that like, it's going to change our minds about you here. You're not going to mess everything up. Like all these things. And I saw through the lens of healthy ministry and healthy leaders, like the way that it really started to heal my past. Like things that these little cracks mm. in my heart, I knew that when I got out of counseling, I had like scabs, but I didn't have scars yet. So I knew wherever I was going, it could have gotten worse mm. or we could have healed. So um, my dad actually came to visit during our 10 wow. year anniversary and he was walking through the hallways and he mentioned this story of Joseph and the story of Joseph is my favorite in the whole Bible. I think it's the most stunning example of forgiveness before Jesus enters the scene. And if you've ever been hurt by family, it's like the most violating kind of hurt. Um, and, and you see the story of Joseph being sold off by his own family and the Lord redeems his entire story. And there he is being second in command in Egypt. And the Lord gives him the gift of two sons. And the first one named Manasseh, which means to forget. And in the context of the scripture means to forget the suffering of my father's household. And his next son was actually named Ephraim, which means to be mm -hmm. fruitful in the land of my suffering. So we see this process of first mm -hmm. Joseph forgives, then he forgets, and then he was fruitful. Um, and that's where the heart behind Manasseh came because my dad was looking at this church and was looking at kind of a new me, really, serving there. He was like, man, Anna, this is your Manasseh. And we both just wept because it's like, who says something like that? Mm -hmm. Only my dad. Um, and I just sat there and I was like, man, I'm so grateful for the gift of being able to forget the things that I, I literally thought my entire life I'd be walking with this limp. I thought for my entire life, I'd see mm -hmm. things through the lens of certain pain or certain leaders or triggers or trauma um, and not to downplay any of that. But I, I just remember having this moment with the Lord. And he's like, I'm so much bigger than you give me credit for. Like I can reach back into your past. And I was like, man, like hmm. I'm only looking, I'm only looking ahead of like, okay, I just got to do things differently moving forward. And the Lord's like, no, I can still redeem things in your past. That's like, that's who I am. I'm a God of reconciliation. Hmm. I'm a God that works things together for good. Hmm. So I pull things from the past and rework it into this beautiful story that is now. So I literally like, that's been, even now, it's not just been a one-time experience. Like things will happen. I'll be like, Lord, can you, can you give me the gift of Manasseh on this? Like, I don't want to see that person through the way that they hurt me. I want to see them how you see them. And would you help me mm -hmm. like remove that? Like, would you give me the gift of forgiveness? Like Joseph, where he sees mm -hmm. his brothers and his first thing he says is come close. Um, and not, I'm going to kill you guys because you guys betrayed me. Like this beautiful example of what it looks like. And it's so countercultural to like what we're experiencing now. So it's this bit of delusional forgiveness that has been like wrecking my life. I love that delusional forgiveness. That is so good. Everything you just said is extremely powerful. And I just want to say like, I'm sitting here listening to you and I know you're talking to thousands of people right now who are going to be listening to this podcast, but you're speaking directly to me and the things that you're saying are just life to literally my bones. And I'm thinking about how whenever I even started this podcast, like 
five years ago. The whole hope for it was that I would be able to be a sister and a friend to those who don't have one and have conversations with people um, that are hard conversations and good conversations that maybe other people don't have that person to talk to in their life. Like maybe they don't have like the sister who's going to tell them the truth. Maybe they don't have the mentor who's going to like speak life over them. Maybe they don't have the pastor in their life. Like who, like how can I bring in a person that can speak to someone in a situation that they're going through that maybe they don't have that person to say those words in their life. And it's just like so powerful sitting here and listening to you talk because this is a conversation that is so needed in the church. It's so necessary to talk about some of these things and to not walk around with bitterness and brokenness and let our scabs turn into scars and talk about forgiveness and talk about the messiness of, yes, people, but the beauty of the bride of Christ. And like, this is stuff that I've just never had this kind of conversation with someone about so honestly and openly, but with no bitterness, like truly like I'm for the church. Yes, I've been hurt by people. Yes, things have been hard, but like, I'm for the church. I'm for God's vision for it. I, I want to keep serving. And I'm truly like, it makes me teary because I'm so grateful that you're saying these things. And I'm so grateful as you were talking that like you actually asked God those hard questions. And I think that that's something that I don't want anyone to miss, that when you were hurt, you didn't like walk away you leaned in and you said God you say that like this is your bride like you talk about the the church and acts in this way and in revelation and it's beautiful and it's this picture of love and grace and like but I'm not seeing that like I'm not seeing the beauty I don't understand the relationship like really like leaning in and asking God to show you and then opening yourself up enough to trust him enough in your life to walk into the church building again and to be on a staff and to trust people and pastors, which is really hard to do when you're coming from past pain. And so I just think like, I just don't want anyone to miss what she's saying. Like she leaned in to God in that. And and I love that because I think sometimes like we just fall into the next church or we run away or whatever it is. And like, neither are really a good solution if you don't first just go to the Father mm-hmm. and understand His heart for the church and find seek forgiveness um, that you really, that delusional forgiveness that you really only find in Him and only find the power to do that through Him because He is the best example of doing that for us, yeah. of the forgiveness that He's shown us and the trust, if you will, to just keep loving us when He knows we're gonna mess up, when He knows we're not gonna do things perfectly, when we're going to be a dis- disobedient at times, like he still loves us and chases after us. So if we want to be this kind of people, finding that in him is so crucial. And I just love that you shared that. And Earl and Onika were actually on the podcast recently. So everyone uh, listening got to hear them recently. And if you didn't, you got to go back and listen to them because they are incredible people. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said it's not that they're perfect or that everything's perfect, but you're just real people who love Jesus and are quick to say sorry and quick to forgive. And everything you just said is so profound that I just wanted to take a minute and pull out some of those things to make sure people aren't missing what you're saying and the beauty of it. Um, I want to ask because I was reading some of your story that before you went into ministry and full-time worship leading, you were doing um, stuff more mainstream or in the public eye. So what did that look like um, for you growing up and you transitioning from doing more things in show business, if you will, to worshiping in the church? How did that happen? Uh, It's so honestly, I sometimes tell my own story and I'm like, 
is was that even my life? I grew up in a family of six. I'm one of four kids. I'm the youngest. Um, so I have three older siblings and we grew up like very, very sheltered <laughs> and like sheltered. Like I didn't listen to secular music all growing up. Like I didn't even know what that was. We didn't do like TV like that. We we're all homeschooled. And um, growing up, we actually would spend our summers in Albania, in Kosovo, Albania, um, helping build homes for orphans wow. and widows. I started doing that when I was six. So I actually, it was over the course of my birthday too, which was always fun every year to spend your birthday in Albania. But my parents were really, really intense about us knowing, you know, like get our worldview a little open, which I'm really grateful for. At the time I was like, I'm six years old and they don't have birthday cake and it's just like tiramisu. So what kid doesn't want um, espresso? <laughs> cake on their birthday. Not me, but I loved it anyway. Anyway, so basically all these trips we would do in the summers, I remember the very first one, this is going to tie into how my life story started. So six years old, sitting outside this house that we rebuilt for this uh, family in Kosovo, um, a very like war stricken country. And it was a really small home. And only my mom and my sister were able to actually walk through the house. So they walked through the house and they came out. And my mom like gathered my whole family of six. And she's like, um, we walked through the whole house. And there's only one thing on the walls of this entire house. And it was a photo of Britney Spears. And I don't even think we knew who that was at the time. We're like, okay. And then my mom like poses this question to us. It's like, what would you guys do if you had that kind of influence? I would... I would give every dime I have to know what my six-year-old little self said in that moment. But in the movie of my life, it was like plane lands from Albania to Los Angeles, California. And we're, we're in auditions. We're going into the industry. <laughs> like from not even knowing what secular music is to like we're going straight to the mainstream industry. So it was really, it was a lot of like a shell shock of like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Wow. Um, so that was the genesis <laughs> of my life. And then I think when... I think my brother was 12 years old and I was 10 at this time. I want to say I could be getting dates wrong a little bit, but Disney channel had found my brother from MySpace. This is when MySpace was a thing and was like, Oh, we want you to be on the channel and do this thing called next big thing. And then um, that's when my brother and I started doing stuff at Disney when we were young. And I was like the kid that always wanted to be different <laughs> classically. And I was like, I'm not going to be an artist. I'm not going to be a singer. Like I want to be a veterinarian. And it's like me trying to decide my life story when I'm like a kid. It's hilarious. But, and I, I had this moment, one of my first most real moments with the Lord, I was 11 years old. I was in a prayer room at my church and the Lord was like, I gave you a specific gift and that's what you're going to walk in, in your life. And I was like, wow. I remember I had a little red journal and I like wrote that down and then I started writing songs. And then that's like the following year, Disney had wanted me to do the same thing that they did for Josh. Our family was also in the midst of filming like a reality TV show that thankfully, thankfully never aired. Um, because my mom was like, <laughs> my mom was like, no, we're not going to do this. This is going to embarrass the family. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, because as much as you want to say, like, we're the most perfect little family. It's like, once you put the cameras on, you're not. And it was never going to be that pure little wholesome kumbaya. Um, so all that to say, that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> and up until I was about 15 years old, um, we did stuff with Disney and my brother and I, we weren't really like actors, but that was kind of something you had to do if you were involved in that. So we're audition after audition and writing shows for us and seeing like what movies we can do and all these things. And I had this moment, I, I actually think it was like Halloween night. We were in Los Angeles. My brother and I were actually about to move there together um, and we'd become a duo at this point. He was 17, I was 15. I walked in a house 
It was all my friends. With, I think we're all dressed up as whatever. And I just have never felt this unction like this from Holy Spirit before. And he said, get out of the house. And I was like, okay. And I ran out the front of his house. And my brother was like, what are you doing? You look crazy. And I, I remember telling him, I was like, if, we are, if we're not consistent in our morals, this is going to destroy us. Like if we're not on the same page of what this is going to look like, I think this is going to destroy us. And I went back to um, my hotel room and it was like me, my mom and my brother. And I called my dad. My dad's like my pastor at this point. I'm just like crying on the phone. And I was like, (laughs) I was really, you know, religious at that time still too. And I was like, I don't want to gain the world and lose my soul. And I look back and I'm like, if my 15 year old kid was saying something like that, I'd be like, huh. But I'm so grateful that like the Holy Spirit gave me that unction of like, hey, you could actually be headed down a path that's not so great. Um, at that time, I had some eating disorder issues. Like when you're in the limelight as a little girl and you're being told things all the time about yourself, um, it's just like a really hard weight to carry. Um, and I, I remember my very mm-hmm. first concert that I ever did by myself. I did a meet and greet afterwards and I had little girls coming up to me and they were crying. And I was like, I didn't understand it. And I feel like the Lord gave me this revelation of like, as creation, we're created to worship. And when people don't have the knowledge of Jesus, they misdirect it. And when, when people aim worship at people, mm-hmm. it can crush them. So I have so much grace for people who I know, like have that aimed at them. Cause I'm like, man, we're never supposed to be able to receive glory. That's just like, not what we've been created for. Um, and then from there, uh, we, we went back to St. Louis. I remember I was doing an internship. Um, at a prayer room in St. Louis. And two days before we were supposed to move to Los Angeles, uh, my brother and I's deal got pulled. And I just remember my, my brother at the time was wow. like super devastated. And I was like, man, this is the Lord. Like, I want to stay here and I want to serve in my church. And I want to be like a 15 year old, 16 year old and um, have that look a little different. And I always stayed consistent and like loving music and my craft, but I never thought that I would ever release music or anything like that again. So then the Lord would give me worship songs, but I didn't think that that was going to be something. Also at that time, that wasn't like a market or something that you would do like industry-wise. Okay, y'all, that everyone listening, we have had some crazy Wi-Fi up in here. And we have had to start and stop. We've literally taken like 30-second laugh breaks just to laugh at how crazy this is. But here's what I know. I know that so many of y'all need this conversation because I have never had so much adversity up against a podcast when it comes to technology, which I just know that's because this message is important and it needs to be heard. But one thing I love about Anna is like she has continued to lean in and not given up on doing this podcast, which I know a lot of people would have out of frustration. So we're just going to jump back in to the story that you were telling um, of transitioning from being in show business, if you will, to going into the church. And you were kind of nearing the time where I think you were 18 where we left off and you're in the church. Yeah, it was like, I was like in the middle of that. And then I think we just like cut out. <laughs> it literally <laughs> just, just like, went black. Just went blank. And I was like, Lord, um, praise Lord. I'm like, I swear I'm good Wi-Fi guys. It's fine. Um, anyway, so back to me and my life. At 18, I was, um, yeah, I led worship at a conference um, for one of my friend's dads at the time. And it was a conference of worship leaders. And I had sung this song that I had written. And it kind of went all over, which mm-hmm. was really shocking for me at that time. Um, and there were churches kind of all over the U.S. who were singing it and even some out of the country. Wow. And 
my friend's dad was like, you need to release this. Like you need to get on this. And I had this moment of like, you could say it was like a little triggered of like, since I was a little kid, I learned how to work a room. I learned industry. I knew like strategic relationships and all those things. And I hated it. Like it was just so against my character and like what I wanted to do with my life, especially because I was like, church has always been so separate from that for me. And ministry was such a safe place. And kind of the idea of almost meshing those two worlds just freaked me out. And I had this moment with the Lord of like, okay, if you would like me to release this stuff, I never want to be an opportunist. I don't want to do any of that. I was like, any opportunity that you would like to bring, if you want this to be successful, you're going to have to do it. Like, I'm a hard worker. I'm faithful to stay at your feet. But as far as like any of those other things, you're going to have to do all of that. And so we, I kind of had this moment with the Lord where we made this agreement. And I genuinely can say every single opportunity in my life from that moment has honestly been God. Like, wow. There's been like random emails out of the blue of like, hey, my name's Tasha Cobbs Leonard and I want you to come be on my record. <laughs> wow. And like these things of just randomness and how I've been able to be a part of so many incredible things. It really has been the Lord. I think when we released that single, it, it stayed on like iTunes charts for four weeks and was on like it for, I don't know, some 16 weeks. I don't, I don't remember any of the stats of that kind of stuff, but I'm like, it was, it blew our minds of what the Lord was doing with it. And I was like, all right, God, if you want me to continue to do this, you're going to need to open these doors. Um, and it really like my entire, what you would say, I guess, career or whatnot or influence or anything has truly just been a testament of the Lord being like, all right, we're going to go here next. We're going to do this next. Um, and it's been so, the Lord's been so kind in that way because like growing up and I know that you grew up like pr- kind of in the industry too. And it's mm-hmm. like, you like learn these things and like, this is how I need to be. And then I was like, you know, I just can't bring that into this space. Yeah. Like I don't want that to be yeah. um, who I am. I don't ever want to look at a friendship with someone and think, what can we get out of this? Or how can we collab? Like, I'm like, I want to see people as people. I want to see ministry as ministry forever. Um, yeah. And then Lord, however you want to like put that out there or market it. So it's been honestly, wild to see what the Lord has done with it, but that's just kind of like a snapshot of all the things. Gosh, I love that. I can relate to so much of that. And I think that, I think that us being in the industry for a time and like actually experiencing that life has, from what I'm hearing from you and the same for me, I think it made me so not like that. Like I hated that. I didn't want any of that, that when I came into the church world, um, I'm actually really glad that I experienced that and was like, I don't want any of that because I came in with like such a pure heart and pure mind in it. And like friends are friends, people are people. We have these gifts and that's amazing and let's use them to grow the kingdom. But, you know, we're not trying to like promote ourselves. We're not trying to like, I don't know, make something crazy happen. Like we're just trying to like be faithful to what God's given us. And we're just trusting that he's doing it and we're working hard with what he's given us. And I feel like, a lot of times in the church nowadays, like that is a temptation for the church. Like they can start like acting like the industry, like looking like uh, mainstream, like all that kind of stuff. But I think coming from that into the church, it's like, no, I actually don't want any part of that. Like I actually 
don't want that. I I don't want any of the glory. I don't want any of the fame. Like that is what attracts me so much to doing things for the kingdom is that it's not about me. I don't have to have that pressure. I get to put all the attention on God because I can't handle that. And I read something where you said, um, going into the church role was so freeing for you because you realize like the attention's not on me, it's on God. And that is exactly how I felt where I felt I had a similar moment where um, I heard a Christine Kane message at the time when I was kind of like at the height of fame in the mainstream world and uh, before I like entered the church world fully. And I heard this message at Passion and she was saying that if the spotlight is shining on you, brighter than the light of Jesus from within you. She was like, that light will crush you. And I remember just like sitting in my chair, like thinking, I think I'm going to get crushed. Like I have to get out of that light because it is currently crushing me and I don't want to be crushed by this. And I like need to make sure that the light of Jesus coming out of me is so much like it's just reflecting off of me and going to him, you know? And so, um, it was just so cool to hear you say that because that's exactly how I felt. And then last year we had our first LO conference and it was really cool to just get to host so many people who are used to going to conferences who used to being in church scenes and like green rooms and backstage and whatnot. And every single person was like, this is the most pure gathering. Like this is just, everyone is just here to worship the Lord. Everyone is just here to fellowship with one another and create this like sisterhood and this beauty. And I was just like, man, I'm so glad that you experience that because that I would not want you to feel anything else. And I do think yeah. because we've experienced it um, in the mainstream world, it's like we so don't want that, that we get to create this purity in the, in the church world. And not that everybody's like that. There's so many conferences that are beautiful and amazing and the backstage feels totally. like that. I just say that to say like, I do think we've learned from that and we don't want to see that again. And also, I think it's really cool that your parents instilled in you a worldview because my parents uh, were very similar. By the time we were 11, we were going to Dominican Republic every single year. And um, we're still like so close family friends with all the people that we met down there and the orphanage we built. And now um, the little girl who I used to have like sit on my lap all the time, we were like so close. She was my girl. She also has a baby now and Honey's the same age as him. And so we got to go and like I got introduced Honey to him. And um, it was just like so beautiful and such a God story. But I do think that that helped my perspective just be a lot bigger than myself. And I was the same way I would go from Dominican Republic straight to LA for like red carpet events and all these different things. And I think that when you see the world for what it is, you see people for who they are, um, the red carpet just doesn't mean as much. It just doesn't do anything for you because it's like, that's cool. But unless I'm, unless I'm here to be an influence for good, unless I'm here to speak life over me, unless I'm here to bring the good news, then there's just really no reason for me to be here, you know? And, um, I think that that's a beautiful thing to learn at an early age. And just for people who are listening to this, some of you, you might be like, well, I've never been famous, so I can't relate to that. But I think that a lot of you probably relate to the desire maybe to be famous. And I just want to ask you like that question that her mom asked her, like, what would you do with that influence? Because fame is just a four letter word, as Mr. Rogers says, it's like tape Mm -hmm. or zoom or face fame is just whatever, but it only means something if you use it for good. It only means something if you actually take that influence and you do something with it. 
And then as far as some of you who might feel like, man, I've been trying to push this thing. I've been trying to go. God, why haven't you opened the doors? I just want to um, encourage you like, There's a difference in trying to promote yourself and actually just working hard towards something and being obedient. Because I think many of us fall into the temptation of like, I got to promote myself. I got to get it out there. And you're like on this grind and on this hustle. But um, it says in Psalms, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is labor in vain. So that doesn't mean that you don't work hard. That doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you don't lean into your craft and you, you get the lessons and you do the thing and you wake up every day and you sow your seed, but then you got to let the Lord build the, build the house. You got to let the Lord bring the rain. Like at the end of the day, like he's got to give you the platform if it's supposed to be a platform. And if it's not supposed to be a stage, he gave you the two people in your home. And so I just love what you're, what you're sharing. And I just want to make sure that people are hearing that whether you grew up famous or not, I think we all can relate to these feelings of maybe having this desire or maybe experiencing some of these things and making sure that no matter how we grew up, that our hearts are pure in the things that we're pursuing and things that we're doing. And um, man, I, I love what you said. And I just love how God just opened the doors and it was just crazy. Um, so with your life now, like leading worship, the way that you're leading and stuff. Do you still feel like, because I've heard a lot of worship leaders say like, I have to constantly lay down my image, lay down my ego to be able to lead in just like a pure organic way. What does that kind of look like for you to walk it out? Because I know we have a lot of worship leaders listening, especially because you're on. How do you constantly fight against getting glory and giving glory when you are on such a big stage and being heard by so many people? Man, that's, such a great question. I always look, firstly, I always look at scripture, um, especially when things started to kind of, I don't know, in a way get bigger. I still try to, I'm so disconnected from a lot of it too, which I, I feel really privileged of. Like when I'm home at my church, there's no one who's like asking me questions or taking pictures or anything like that. Um, and I'm really fortunate that that's like the culture of our church and our house. Cause at my church, I'm a prayer partner when I'm a prayer partner. I'm worship leader when I'm a worship leader. I'm holding the door when I need to. I'm helping clean up afterwards. So it's like that remaining. Um, I talk about this a lot. I think I see this often with worship leaders right now. And we kind of have this like orphan evangelist kind of thing because we're not being shepherded and we're not being planted in a house. And I think that when we're not touchable, that's where the stage gets bigger. That's where the, right. the fame the fame gets bigger. If I'm not able to lock eyes with people and pray with people and know like, man, everything is so much bigger than my little thing that I got going on. I always have to remind myself of that. Like after Sundays, when we get to lead worship, we say this to our worship team. Like if you're leading on a team week in and week out, and you're just coming in for rehearsal in the morning and you're leading, and then you leave right out the back door at the end, you're missing it. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not being able to let people touch you, lock eyes with you, tell you their stories, tell you their testimonies, Mm -hmm. tell you how, man, when you led that song that actually transformed the way that my life looked, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that there were so many years where I was traveling as a worship leader and I didn't create space to be touchable. That's my biggest thing. I always am like, man, where can I be serving people? Who am I pouring into? Who am I mentoring? Who are young girls on the team who are coming on that I'm taking the time out to get coffee? People are never the problem. People are never an inconvenience. That's Mm -hmm. literally why we do what we do. Um, And something too that my pastor's um, talk about, which I love this. Pastor Earl talks about this all the time. Every night before he goes to bed, 
he gets on his knees and physically does the act of taking off his crown. Hmm. He's like, cause throughout the day, people give you crowns, people, oh man, what you spoke was so incredible. And it's never that weird moment of like, only him, only him, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. There's not like that false humility of like, no, like you were a vessel and the Lord used you. And so many people have such a pure intention of being like, man, that song you wrote, that book you wrote, um, that song that you led, or when you did this in our small group, that really meant a lot to me. And being able to like, man, thank you so much. That encourages me. But at the end of the day, giving it all back. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I don't go to bed with any of my crowns. Like I lay that before the Lord. And so I'm like, man, God, thank you for using me in this space. But I'm also reminded that like, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. That's so <laughs> um, good. And, and there's no talent that changes that or, or space or stage. But, but to me, that's, that's been the biggest thing of too, is like serving in my local church. And I always talk to worship leaders too. Like we, we have this, era where we get to release music and it's beautiful and we get to put out like the lord gives us these sounds that we get to put out but if you're not serving like in a local church if you're not serving underneath someone else building other vision like and it's all about you your self-awareness just gets completely off and so and that true. celebrity it creeps in it just happens yeah because you're the judge the jury and you're everything for your own life but it's like being able to have like i'm I, when I was growing up, I thought accountability was control. And now I see it as such safety. Hmm. Um, and good. I have like everything I do is submitted underneath Earl and Onika. And I pass everything through them. I'm like, we're doing this tour of I'm doing this. like, And it's not from this place of like, I can hear people thinking like, oh man, that's like controlling. It's like, no, there's such a beauty mm-hmm. in covering. It's there's good. such a beauty in being planted. It says in scripture, those who are planted in the house of the Lord are like trees planted by streams of living water. And then my favorite part is they grow fruit in old age. Like we're in such a culture of like, your time is this, and then you've aged out. And I'm like, when we're connected to the body of Christ, like there's no age out. Like we're, we're growing it's fruit good. forever. Yeah. And it's like such a beautiful picture of like, man, I don't have to listen to Man, when a woman turns 30 or she loses her influence or she's it's like no like yeah. i'm playing in the house of the lord like i'm gonna go fruit till i'm till i'm dead yeah um i love anyway. that that is so good i'm just like yes 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 because i do feel like especially nowadays like you feel like there's this pressure to stay relevant to say whatever and at the beginning of this year i felt like the lord kind of like leaning in to delete social media for a little while and uh, immediately i'm like okay, that's fine. Because personally, I'm like, that's great. I could get rid of it. But then the second thought's like, oh, but that might not be good. Because what about all the things that I'm doing? And like, how am I going to let people know? And then Mm -hmm. will I not be relevant anymore when I come back? And you're going to lose all these followers or whatever. And like, even though I say like, oh, I don't really care. But then like, when you go to do it, you're like, but do I care? Why is this so hard? You know, but then I took seven months off this year. And it was like wow. the best thing ever. And I was so present with my family. I thought about that verse. That's me and Christian love that verse. And we, we love Psalms 1, 2, and 3, where it talks about being like planted by a stream of living water and those who meditate on the word. And it talks about, you yeah. know, you're always bearing fruit in every season. And I'm like, man, that is the beautiful thing about God. Like, it's not that you're just going to time out. Like he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end. Like he goes from glory to glory to glory. Like he's going to keep going. This mission's like always on, like kingdom to earth. And I can be a part of that always. And I always say like, if God never gives me one more uh, 
cool revelation to drop in a sermon if I like I just better be preaching the gospel like for the rest of my life yeah and if I just preach like the story of the gospel and I don't know what to say and I just open the book and read exactly what it says there's no better words that I could say there's no more relevant thing that I could preach like I don't have to strive in his kingdom ever because I just get to be who I am and I just get to go to work with my dad and what a gift and so I I love that you said that it's just so awesome to take all the pressure off of us to know that like when we're when we're doing ministry or working with the Lord, it's not the same as working in the world. Um, I literally had a call yesterday with a agency, and I'm grateful for agents and what they do and everything. But there was a moment at the end. She's like, "Okay, like if you want to grow more following, we can help you with the algorithm and how to do this and that." And I just said, um, "I appreciate that, and I'm so grateful for all the tips and stuff." But that's just not where my heart's at right now. I, I just want to be authentic to who yeah. I am. I want to do this in the most authentic way. And if, if it grows, that's awesome. But I'm not striving to do that. I'm not trying to hack an algorithm. I'm not up against it. I'm not up against Instagram. You know, that's not my battle, you know. And so it's freeing. And it is really yeah. freeing just to kind of lay that down, just be like, I'm I'm the battle is not between flesh and blood. It's not between me and social media. It's not between me and the platform. Like yeah. I'm sitting here and surrendered to what God wants to do in my life. And so I, and, and I say all that, that that's easier said than, than done. It's hard to really put that trust in the Lord whenever like there's so much pressure from the world and so much pressure from a boss or so much pressure from an agency or management or whatever. And so, um, but it's just so good to speak that truth out and to actually live it. And you're just such a good example. I love what you're sharing and love how you're walking it out, how you're living. It is extremely encouraging. It's a breath of fresh air. And um, I, I know people have learned so much from this podcast, but if nobody did, I learned a ton. And I know oh, I know people are going to cling to this as just um, pure wisdom from a friend. But again, it happened here first, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, so, Anna, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for working through oh, all gosh. the Wi-Fi. Thank you for <laughs> writing an epic album that everyone can go listen to now and cry the tears they need to cry and then go on your Instagram and laugh until they cry. And so um, I love it. we're grateful for you. And this is a great conversation. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. Like, this has encouraged me more than you know, too. I just love the idea of, like, the conversation man it's just can be that simple and even like if you're listening to this right now like let it encourage you like let it convict you let it like push you forward because mm-hmm. man this even like to speak of the things of god is to honor him to praise him like mm-hmm. stunning so, so super grateful awesome thank you so much and congrats on all the things that's going on in your life the best